0: Our Lord Jesus, who loved us and who demonstrated His love for us by going to the cross on our behalf, gave us only one instruction that He called a commandment. Now, He cited commandments from the Old Testament, as we saw last week. He called the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But he issued only one commandment himself and it is recorded in the gospel penned by the disciple of Jesus who refers to himself as simply the disciple whom Jesus loved. And tradition and evidence tell us that that was the Apostle John so I invite your attention with me to John's gospel chapter 13 this morning. We're going to read a couple of verses from there and then a couple of verses from chapter 15. So if you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the Scripture. Now what's going on here in John 13 is it is the night of Jesus' betrayal and arrest, immediately before His crucifixion. And He is teaching and instructing His disciples. In verse 34 He says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And then in chapter 15, verse 12, he says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And he repeats it again down in verse 17. This is my command, love each other. Thank you. Please take your seats. Now our first duty as Christ followers, besides loving God and loving our neighbors, is to love one another. Jesus commands us to do so. Now there's a little anonymous poem that says, To dwell there above with those that we love, that will be glory. But to live here below with those that we know, that's another story. (laughs) Well, whether it's glorious or not, Jesus commanded us to love one another. And we need to remind ourselves from time to time that He means it. I preached from this text. As a matter of fact, someone in the congregation reminded me, On my very first Sunday as your senior pastor almost eight years ago, so maybe it's appropriate I preach from this text on Tony's last Sunday as our worship pastor. We'll just uh, bookend those things with a message from our Lord Jesus about loving one another. Now Jesus says in here this is a new commandment. Well, what was the old one? Well, the old commandment was love your neighbor as yourself from Leviticus 19 verse 18. And Jesus had quite a lot to say about that old commandment. He called it the second greatest commandment. We've already noted that. And in reference to this commandment, Jesus was asked in Luke chapter 10, well, who is my neighbor then? And in response, Jesus related the story of the Good Samaritan. A story I hope you know, if you don't, read it in Luke chapter 10 sometime later today. But he told that story to show that our neighbors are not just those who are like us, but also those that society may consider outcasts, rejects, not as good as us, not belonging with us. And essentially, everyone is our neighbor but in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes it even further. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor. And then He, he recites the synagogue tradition alongside of it, and hate your enemy. But He says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good "...and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? Aren't even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? So we can thus conclude that the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself is a commandment to love everyone, even our enemies." But this love that we're to have for everyone is is distinct from the love that we're to have for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. This neighbor love is a high form of love because we're to regard our neighbors as highly as we regard ourselves. We love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And to love your neighbor as yourself put into practice is basically the golden rule which Jesus taught us. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. But it's still not in the same league as the love that Christians are supposed to have for one another. That's what makes Jesus' commandment in this text a new commandment, if you will. It goes beyond the old love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells us as His followers through His disciples who were in the room that we must love one another. This commandment is directed to brothers and sisters in Christ, to followers of Jesus, to disciples, learners, apprentices, Of Jesus. It is unique in regard to the love we show to the world at large, our neighbors. And we know it is different because when we do it as we ought to do it, Jesus says it will be a witness to the world at large. By this love will all men know that you are my disciples, he says. By our love. We have a a hymn in our hymnals, hymn number 272, you may know it, comes from our text, They'll Know We Are Christians By Our Love. Unfortunately it's written in a minor key, and I think that's probably why we don't sing it more than we do. But that's what Jesus is telling us. They will know that we're Christians by the way we love one another. And that is supremely significant. Because a lot of people are confused about that. Jesus never says everyone will know that you're my disciples by reading the church roll or reading the baptismal record or by how many scriptures you can quote. Jesus never says everyone will know you are Christians by how many sinners you condemn or what kinds of sinners you condemn. He never says they will know you are Christians by how you vote. He says they will know you are Christians by the way you love one another. That's what Jesus teaches us. Because that's what Christ followers do. We love one another. Because Jesus commands us to. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, John 14, 15. And then in chapter 15, verse 12, he says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. All men will know that we are Christ's disciples if we love one another. That is, if we encourage one another, if we forgive one another, if we help one another, if we edify one another, if we appreciate one another. The Apostle Paul says, says to the Thessalonian believers in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Because that's what Christ followers do. We encourage, we forgive, we help. And if we are followers of Christ, it also means that we will refuse to denigrate, to malign, to slander, to criticize, to gossip about our brothers and sisters in Christ. We will resist those temptations because we are followers of our Lord Jesus, because we love one another. Because if we don't love one another, we are not Christ's disciples, and the world knows it. They know what Jesus taught, what Jesus said. They know what we're supposed to be doing. Even if they know very little about the Scripture, about the church, they know that Christians are supposed to care about one another and about others. So if we don't do it, the world knows. The world knows that we're not Christ's disciples. Listen to what John writes in 1 John 3, verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother not a child of God. And verse 14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not re- uh, love remains in death. So if you're a child of God, don't act like the child of the devil. Churches thrive when they love one another, and churches die when they don't. Let that sink in for a moment. It's as simple as that. Churches thrive when they love one another, and churches die when they don't. If the lost world sees Christians fighting with one another, it drives them away from Christ. You know the Southern Baptist Convention lost half a million members last year? And they're going to meet in their annual convention in a couple of weeks and fuss about what the word pastor means and whether a woman can have that title or not. And the media will be watching and the world will be watching, and God will be watching. But if they see Christians loving one another, they'll be drawn to Christ. They'll be attracted to Christ, because that is an attractional thing. Dr. John Trent, the co-author of a wonderful little book entitled The Blessing, as well as other books, used to take kids to young life Christian camps. And he would always make it a point to try to take kids who needed to hear the gospel. And one year there was one of those kids who was named Mark. And Trent tells this story in the book, or or not in that book, but uh, elsewhere. He says, Bob Mitchell, Mitch as we called him, was the main speaker that week and he called most of the shots, including when meals would be served. So Mitch was always talking with the cook. Now the cook loved her work, but it was exhausting. She always looked tired. Whenever she talked to Mitch, he got up and gave her his chair, as well as a moment's rest, while they discussed meal plans. And nobody noticed Mitch doing this except Mark. Mark hadn't come to camp to hear about Jesus, But when he saw Jesus' love lived out in that simple act of kindness by the camp speaker, he began to listen to his talks. Later that week, Mark asked Jesus to be his Savior. It wasn't because of the messages, Mark said, but because of the love he saw in Mitch. If that's what it means to be a Christian, Mark said, I want to be one. Well that is exactly what it means to be a Christian. Hit the nail right on the head. And when lost people see it they're drawn to Christ. They want to have that. They want to experience that for themselves. Jesus says we must love one another in a way that goes beyond loving your neighbor as yourself or doing unto others as they would have as you would have us do unto us. We must love one another Jesus says, as He loved us. Love one another as I have loved you, He says. What kind of love did Jesus have? Well, from the Gospel records, we see that Jesus was apparently a very loving man. He didn't just instruct His disciples to love. He modeled it for them. We know that He was frequently moved with compassion by the crowds, that He healed the sick, that He cast out demons because of how much He cared, how much He wanted to help, how much He loved those who were coming to hear Him. But there are other more explicit indications of Jesus' love as well. The the Apostle John, as I said, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And that was a designation apparently more precious to him than even his own name. In John 11, uh, verse 5, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. And when Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus, the Jews said, see how he loved him. And in the first verse of chapter 13, where we find our text, it says, Jesus loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And so Jesus... Himself tells His disciples in John 15, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So Jesus was man enough to express His love, to show His love, to teach His love, to be an example for us to follow. In Jesus' love, the love that we're supposed to have for one another is a sacrificial love. When he told them to love one another as he had loved them, he had just finished washing their feet, the act of a servant, and he was just about to be arrested and die on a cross for them and for us, sacrificing himself for us. And he was saying to them and to us, Love each other the way you see me loving you. Jesus is saying, Love others as I love, sacrificially, unconditionally, without reserve. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Do you love the brothers and sisters of Central Baptist Church, that much? Even those who get on your nerves? Especially those who get on your nerves? That's what Jesus is telling us to do. Now don't say, I can't do that, because you can. Jesus never would give a commandment that we couldn't do. He would never tell us to do something knowing we couldn't do it. And He tells us to love one another. Besides, Philippians 4.13, a memory verse for so many of us, says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. You can do it. In fact, we must do it if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to be followers of Christ. We have no choice but to love one another. My sermon text this morning comes from John's Gospel and I've also read several passages from John's first epistle. John was, according to tradition, the only one of the apostles who lived to an old age and to die a natural death. Two hundred years after John did die there was still a story circulating about him. It's told by the patristic scholar Jerome. And it says that when John was old and feeble, Jesus, uh, or Jerome, tells us that they would bring him into the gathering of believers when he was no longer able to walk or to preach. They would bring him in to the worship services. And when they did, he would always repeat the same thing. Every time he would say, Little children, love one another. Never varied from that. Always that. Repeatedly that, until finally his his students and the others in the congregation asked him why he was constantly saying the same thing. Little children, love one another. And he replied saying, because it is the Lord's command, and if only this is done, it is enough. If we can just do that, it's enough. My beloved brothers and sisters, I don't know exactly how much you love one another, but I do know how very much our Lord Jesus loves all of us. He died so we could live. We live because He died. And He commands us to love one another. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love because He first loved us. So if we can't love one another for our own sake, by all means, let us love one another for Jesus' sake. And then all men will know that we are His disciples. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, forgive us for the many times we have failed to obey Your commandment to love one another. Lord, our attention gets distracted. We grow complacent. We forget what is most important. We get caught up in worrying about stuff, about the mundane things of life, about the material world, and forget that you asked us to love one another above all other things besides loving our Heavenly Father. Jesus, forgive us for that. Convict us of our sin in that regard in this place today. Help us to love one another the way you have loved us so that the world will know that we here in this place are followers of yours. We know how attractive that is, how desperately a lost world is looking for something like that. I pray, God, they might see it in us right here Johnson City, Tennessee. Make it so, Jesus, we pray in your holy name. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. And if you have a public decision to make for Christ or His church, then I'll be waiting at the front to receive you. If you need to do some business with God today, to confess some sins, to be forgiven by Him, then you need to do that today. If you need to pray at the altar, you can do that today. If you need to apologize to someone seated around you, then you can do that today. Not during this service, but afterward. Whatever the Holy Spirit of God is saying to you, you listen and obey. Let's stand together and sing together. Tony will lead us.